Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the bronzed babe next to me is Ellen. Hola! I'm mostly bronze. I'm still slightly pink from my week in Mexico for spring break. But I did have to switch to my summertime foundation, so I'm definitely pretty tan. You look pretty tan to me. But enough about me. Let's talk more about me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we always? (laughs) Or let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 6, The Noble and Most Ancient House of Black, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Molly enlists everyone's help as she attempts to Marie Kondo Grimold Lace. Even after all the years Sirius still can't stand his mom, Fred and George use themselves as lab rats. Mundungus goes to the wrong place in search of a hiding spot for his hot merchandise. Kleptomaniac creature can't keep his cheekiness in check when circumscribed by do-gooder scum. And Hermione attempts to stand up for the house elf, but quickly gives up when Harry's dog father shows no signs of changing his ways. During episode 126, ding dong, ah! Our Potter pondering was, does the Fidelius charm work on animals? Hey guys, it's Mike, responding to the Potter pondering for this week. That is a very good question. I would think that animals that are not magical in nature, such as, you know, rats, beetles, whatever, like non-magical rats, obviously, I would say that they would not be affected by the... Fidelius charm because they're not really looking for anybody they're just kind of wandering around and it's not that the thing isn't there anymore as was kind of implied by Grimold Place in the movies but it's just the thing is there just people kind of can't find it right I think is the point of the charm as for magical animals I think that would be different like I think if Nagini for instance was looking for the Potter house I think that would work against Nagini but when you get to owls, that's a whole thing altogether again. And like, I forget where I heard this, but there was a thing uh, about when the ministry was looking for Sirius. If somebody from the ministry had just sent him an owl and then followed the owl, they would have been able to find him so much faster because <laughs> they're basically homing devices. And I think that has to do with the magical nature of the owls themselves. Like not every owl, I would say, is able to do what they do. But it's the inherent nature of the owls in Harry Potter that make them able to find whatever it is, kind of no matter where they are, no matter the last place they saw them, right? Because, yeah, they can follow the address, but sometimes Harry didn't know where Sirius was and Hedwig still found Sirius. So it's kind of a question of more the innate abilities of the owl. So I think maybe that... uh, Tough one. I would say it doesn't work on owls who maybe have been sent to that person before or like I feel like it has to do with like a familiarity like because Hedwig knows Sirius maybe that's different than if just a random ministry owl was trying to find Sirius with like a hey surprise you've been arrested note that's the other thing about that one is that they were like oh well what if they just mailed him an animagus or and then boom now it's a human now you're under arrest but yeah long story short I think it would work on magical animals who are not owls, but not non-magical animals and not owls, which is very niche and very specific. But yeah, that's what I think. Hey, Ellen. Hey, Katie. It's Jackson here with this week's Potter Pondering. Does the Fidelius charm work on animals? Well, I think it maybe works, you know, that it keeps them hidden when they're in the location. But as for them giving it away... I don't think so. I think that only works with humans because animals can't give things away with speech the way humans can, if that makes sense. Hey, this is Dave with the Potter Pandering. When I heard whether asked the question of if a Fidelius charm works on an animal, my first thought was, why would one want to make an animal invisible? I don't get it. If that was the goal, then Padfoot could have just done that on himself and we wouldn't have had to hid away because nobody could see him wherever he went. 
But as far as whether owls or not can see someplace that has a Fidelius charm on it, I'm going to have to say, at least for owls, I don't think just any owl has the ability, as you guys were talking about, to just, you know, go and find the place that the letter recipient is at. I think they either have to be trained to do that before they're sold to students as messenger owls, or there's some kind of a charm or spell put on them. It's magic, after all. And so I think that part of that magic spell, perhaps, if it was magic, would be able to allow them to see places that were invisible to the normal eye. But that also gets me to wonder, like, as you were asking, you know, did they just a bird appear out of nowhere if it comes out of an invisible building? But that made me think about, like, when the letters were coming to the Dursleys, when Harry, you know, aside from everybody looking out and there's hundreds of owls standing on every street light and car and things like that, it makes me wonder when the envelopes were flying in the chute of the front door, the mail chute, or down the chimney, was there, like, a line of thousands of owls by a dive bombing the top of the chimney and all dropping letters in so they come out with force all that one after another makes me wonder more pondering Bye. later hi ellen and katie this is ashley with this week's potter pondering does the fidelius charm work on animals and i'm gonna say no and i'm gonna say it might be a loophole but listen to my theory listen to it y'all so y'all remember in book seven when those Death Eaters knew that Harry had inherited Sirius's property. So they were just standing there patrolling, staring at the space between 11 and 13 because they knew the address of number 12 Grimlaw Place, but they couldn't see it because of the Fidelius charm. So I feel like Voldemort could follow the owl there all day, but he ain't going to see it. You know, Harry and Hermione and them, they were just apparating right on the tip of the steps, you know, to get in that motherfucker. That's why I couldn't nobody even see their asses when they pulled up at the crib. So I honestly think, yeah, you might know where they at, but for those purposes, the spell would still do what it's intended to do. Like, you ain't seeing shit. You're just staring in space, motherfucker. Nobody's there. But I also want to add that I never thought that those owls was just regular owls. You know, they, they got to have some type of magic shit about them. They just not regular, you know, there's some type of magical creatures. But you know, that's just me thinking. Just me pondering. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, what did Mundungus rescue Ron from that redeemed himself slightly in Mrs. Weasley's eyes? Mundungus rescues Ron from a set of purple robes that tried to strangle him the moment he attempted to remove them from the wardrobe. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Congratulations goes to Jackson Miller. Woohoo! We've had such a nice variety of people answering the question lately. Mm-hmm. I love the suspense of it. I wonder who's going to win this week. Mm, we shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the second half of Chapter 6, The Noble and Most Ancient House of Black, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Chapter 6 the Noble and Most Ancient House of Black, Part 2. Sirius, Harry, Hermione, Ron, Fred, George, and Ginny are all standing in front of the tapestry. It's not in places, but still clearly shows a sprawling family tree dating back to the Middle Ages. Large words on top read, The Noble and Most Ancient House of Black. Toujours peur. Harry scans it and realizes that Sirius isn't on it. His godfather points to a small charred hole, saying he used to be there and that his mother blasted him off after he ran away from home. When Harry asks about him running away, Sirius explains that he was about 16 and had had enough, so he went to stay with James. He was basically adopted as a second son and then got a place of his own when he turned 17, mentioning that his uncle Alfred left him a decent bit of gold, and that seems to have gotten him wiped off the map too. Harry asks why he left, and Sirius tells him that he hated his family and all their pure-blood mania, including his younger brother Regulus. He points to his brother's name at the bottom of the tree, which also included a date of death. Harry asks about that, and Sirius explains that he joined the Death Eaters and was murdered, likely on Voldemort's orders, assuming that he wasn't important enough to be killed by Voldemort himself. 
the way he understands it, Regulus got in so far and panicked and tried to back out. At this point, Mrs. Weasley returns with lunch, using her wand to balance a huge tray loaded with sandwiches and cake, still looking very angry. Everyone else moves to get the food, but Harry stays with Sirius at the tapestry, and the two continue talking. Sirius points out his great-great-grandfather, Phineas Nigellus, calling him the least popular headmaster Hogwarts ever had. His mother's cousin, Araminta Malifua, who had tried to force through a ministry bill to make muggle hunting legal, and his aunt Eladora, who started the family tradition of beheading house elves when they were too old to continue working. He also comments that anyone halfway decent was disowned, specifically mentioning that Tonks is not on there. Harry is surprised to learn that Sirius is related to Tonks, and his godfather explains that her mother, Andromeda, was his favorite cousin, and she isn't on the tree anymore either. He does point out her sisters, Bellatrix and Narcissa, and Harry is even more shocked to realize Sirius is related to the Malfoys, but learns that nearly all of the pureblood families are interrelated, since marrying only purebloods limits the options. He tells Harry that he's related to both Molly and Arthur, but they'd never be on the tapestry since they are definitely considered blood traitors. But Harry is distracted by the name Bellatrix Black and its connection to Rodolphus Lestrange, realizing that the name sounds familiar. Sirius reminds him that they're in Azkaban, telling him that they came in with Barty Crouch Jr. and Rodolphus's brother, Rabistan. Harry remembers seeing them in Dumbledore's pensive and can't believe she's related to his godfather. Sirius snaps that it doesn't matter because as far as he's concerned, they are not his family, and he isn't proud of having relatives like that. Harry quickly apologizes, but Sirius immediately mumbles that it doesn't matter and just explains that he doesn't like being back in that house. Though it is ideal for headquarters, since it's unplottable, and with Dumbledore's protection, there probably isn't a safer house anywhere. He takes some pleasure in imagining how his parents would react if they could see how it's being used now, but then sighs and says he wishes he could just get out occasionally and do something useful, mentioning that he asked Dumbledore if he could accompany Harry to his hearing as Snuffles for moral support. Harry's stomach sinks at the mention of the hearing, and he glances over at Hermione and Ron, wondering how he would feel if they went back to Hogwarts without him. Sirius tells him not to worry, and Harry asks him if he can live with him if he does get expelled, saying he'd feel a lot better about the hearing if he knew he wouldn't have to go back to the Dursleys. Sirius figures they must be bad if he prefers Grimald Place, and then Mrs. Weasley interrupts them to hurry up before all of the food is gone. Harry tries to keep his mind off the hearing while they empty the glass cabinets that afternoon, which is fortunately a job that requires a lot of concentration, since many of the objects seem reluctant to leave their shelves. Sirius even gets bitten by a silver snuff box that seems to contain wart cap powder, as his hand develops an unpleasant crusty covering. He throws it in a sack for trash, and Harry notices George carefully wrap his own hand before sneaking the box out of the bag and into his pocket. They also find several other things that try to attack them, and a music box that emits a faintly sinister tinkling until Ginny slams the lid shut. They add it to the bag of trash, along with a heavy locket no one can open, some ancient seals, and an order of Merlin first class. Several times, Creature sneaks back into the room and tries to smuggle things away, leading to Sirius wrestling a large golden ring from the elf's grip and causing him to leave the room sobbing more insults towards his master. Mrs. Weasley keeps them all working very hard in the next few days to decontaminate the drawing room. In the end, the only things left are the tapestry, which could not be removed, and the rattling writing desk, which they still needed Moody to check for them. They then moved to the dining room where they found spiders the size of saucers in a dresser, prompting Ron to hurry out to make tea and not return for an hour and a half. Sirius continues to throw basically everything into the sack, from the china to the framed portraits. Snape may have referred to their work as cleaning, but Harry thinks they are really waging war on the house, which is putting up a good fight aided by Creature. He appears wherever they are, with his muttering getting more and more offensive, and tries to steal whatever he can from the sack. Sirius even threatens him with clothes, but Creature mutters that Master will not turn him away since Creature knows they are plotting against the Dark Lord. Despite Hermione's protests, 
Sirius grabs Creature by the back of his loincloth and throws him from the room. Several times a day, the doorbell rings and prompts Sirius's mother to begin shrieking again. Harry and the others attempt to eavesdrop on the conversations, but get very little information before being called back to their tasks by Mrs. Weasley. They occasionally see Snape stop by and once see Professor McGonagall, who looks odd in a muggle dress. Some visitors stay to help, like Tonks and Lupin, who is also staying in the house, but is often gone on mysterious missions for the Order. Mundungus redeems himself a little in Mrs. Weasley's eyes when he saves Ron from some murderous purple robes that try to strangle him. Despite the fact that Harry is sleeping poorly, constantly dreaming about corridors and locked doors, he is managing to have fun for the first time that summer. Keeping busy is keeping him happy, and the ministry hearing only bothers him when nothing is going on, like at night. The idea of being expelled is so terrible that he can't even voice it to Ron and Hermione, and occasionally finds himself imagining his wand getting snapped and being ordered back to the Dursleys. The night before the hearing, Mrs. Weasley lets him know that she ironed his best clothes for him and that she wants him to wash his hair that night so he can make a good first impression. Harry is extremely nervous, but manages to ask how he's going to get there and learns that he's going to go into work with Mr. Weasley, who smiles and tells him that he can wait in his office until it's time for the hearing. Harry looks at his godfather, and Mrs. Weasley tells him that Dumbledore doesn't think it's a good idea for him to accompany him, something that Sirius is not happy about. Harry asks them when Dumbledore told him that, and Mr. Weasley tells him that he was there while Harry was in bed. Realizing that Dumbledore had been there the night before his hearing and didn't even ask to see him made him feel even worse than he already did. As we mentioned last week, and you can probably tell from the lack of movie summary, there are still no movie scenes for this section. Yep. It was just a long book chapter that the movie didn't find necessary to include at all. Mm-mm. This half of the book chapter starts out with Sirius and the kids standing in front of the tapestry in the drawing room. Like they do. Like they do. And it's this huge family tree of a tapestry. Takes up the whole wall. Mm -hmm. It's got some holes in places. Probably from Doxies. Some burn marks, too. Some burn marks, which we will get into. Mm -hmm. But it's, like I said, a sprawling family tree. Yeah. That dates back to what Harry thinks must be the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. And there are large words at the top of it that read the noble and most ancient house of black. Chapter title drop. There it is. <laughs> Under that, it says toujours pur. Or mm -hmm. as we know, always pure. Yes. So that gives us a good indication of the type of family this is. If the general house elves heads on the wall and you know, the general murder house quality didn't tell us. Yes. The general vibe of the place didn't really quite give that incestuous feeling that we needed that we got from literally just reading that yeah <laughs> that did it mm -hmm. so harry looks it over and he's like serious you're not on here well and his dog father's just like well do you see this little hole right here it's charred it looks kind of like a cigarette burn mm -hmm. that's where i used to be but my dear old mom blasted me off of this when i ran away yeah. Harry's like, you ran away? And he's got to be like looking at his dog father like he's a rock star right now because you know oh, yeah. that he constantly fantasized about running away from the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And Sirius is like, yeah, I was 16 and I had enough. I went to go stay with your dad. Yeah. And your grandparents were awesome about it. They basically adopted me like a second son. Mm-hmm. During the school year, we were at Hogwarts, but every holiday I got to come stay with the Potters. Yep. They loved me, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which was, I mean, this was in the movie a bit, too. Because he talks about how when he ran away, he went round his dad's. Yes. Again, they actually bring this up a little later on. Yeah. This actual moment does happen in the movie. Mm -hmm. It is just significantly later on. And I'm not entirely sure why. It almost feels to me like when they were editing the movie together, they just put it in the wrong place. Mm, yeah. It feels very awkward, but you know what? So does most of the movie. It's very true. <laughs> and we'll end up talking more about it when we get to that point. We'll jump back to the references here. Yeah. But Sirius also tells Harry that when he was old enough, when he turned 17, he got a place of his own, 
which he was able to do because he had an Uncle Alfred that left him a decent bit of gold. And he looks over the family tree and he's just like, and that seems to have gotten him wiped off the map too. Because <laughs> there's just another little cigarette looking burn yep. where Uncle Alfred would have been. Mm-hmm. The whole concept of just completely disowning someone, like pretending that a family member doesn't exist, blows my mind. Yeah. Because you know what? I don't always get along with my older brother. No. But, but he's, he's never still blow my him older off a brother, right? Yeah. He's still my older brother. You'd never just wipe him off an entire family tree. I mean, you know, brothers. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but Harry wanted to know why he left, aside from the fact that he was just sick of his family. He's like, well, why did you leave? And Sirius was just like, I hated my family and all of their pure blood mania. Like, look around this house. Yeah. There were horrible people who believed in horrible things, including my younger brother. And he points to Regulus, who mm -hmm. has not been wiped off the map. No. But has a name that includes a date of death. Yes. And Harry's just like, he's dead? And Sirius is like, yeah, the dumbass bought into all of this pure blood shit and went and joined the Death Eaters. And he ended up being murdered later on. He's like, Voldemort murdered him. Yeah. He, well, probably not Voldemort directly because I don't think he was important enough for Voldemort to actually dirty his own hands. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, he fucked up somewhere along the line. And the way he says that from what he understands after he got out of Azkaban, what he learned was that Regulus got in really far and then panicked and tried to back out. And you can't just hand in your resignation to yeah. Voldemort. Like, you have to... Kind of give a life sentence. Yeah. It's a little bit like a gang. Blood in, blood out. Kind of, right. You know. Because we know what happened with Karkaroff when he tried to leave. Yep. Exactly. When he ran away, he stayed away. Let's he just... did not make it very far. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Awkward. Wait. Harry also wanted to know if his parents were Death Eaters as well. Mm -hmm. And he said no, but I'm sure they thought that Regulus was a right little hero for joining up. Yeah. Because they definitely thought that Voldemort had the right idea. I say they held those same views entirely. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I mean, maybe they donated some gold. Yeah. Who knows what they did. Right? I wonder if Regulus is going to come back around later. It We're makes hear more about him. me so mad mm. that we did not get a pre-introduction to him. No. Because no. this part right here, that he heard that... Regulus was killed by Voldemort or on his orders mm -hmm. that he got into deep and panicked and tried to back out like this story that Sirius was given is sort of accurate but not really and There's we're gonna so learn much missing from it. I know yeah. and I just I can't believe we didn't get the setup for this character because yeah. he was so important yeah exactly but no but no we're just gonna skip over all of this entirely yeah <laughs> why bother why the fuck bother? Anyway, they briefly get interrupted because Mrs. Weasley comes back with lunch and she's using her wand to balance a huge tray loaded with sandwiches and cake. Sure. Because it's okay for her to use magic to do that. Well, she knows how. To be fair, she's more practiced in it. <laughs> yes, but should you magic while so angry? I mean, that's another story altogether, I feel. Because, like, the twins gotta practice. Yeah, but not when you're carrying a knife and a breadboard. Redboard and a knife. Just carry the damn knife. That's all <laughs> Just I'm carry the damn knife. Just That's carry fair. the damn knife. Is all I'm getting at. But yeah, but Mrs. Weasley, she's still pissed. Yeah. And I'm not sure that trying to use magic to balance a huge tray of food while pissed is necessarily the best idea. Probably not. But she makes it. And everybody but Harry and Sirius go to get some food. They stay at the tapestry and continue talking because this is like their first moment where they just get to be the two of them. Mm -hmm. They can They're bond. They're having a bonding moment. Yeah. And Sirius keeps pointing out different family members, some of which are significant. Some just have interesting stories. Sure. Starting with Phineas Nigellus calling him the least popular headmaster Hogwarts ever had. And again, front loading an introduction here. Right. But did we ever actually get to meet him? Um, he was said by name, I believe, in Dumbledore's office. Yeah. Or after Arthur gets attacked, he turns to the portrait in his office and he says, Phineas, go to your portrait in Grimmauld Place and warn whoever or yeah. something. Like he's mentioned in he's passing. He's mentioned. But we're not, like it's not known. But he known. had a pretty huge role. Yeah. Later on. Oh, yeah. And they're just like, meh. 
Not in the movie, he didn't. We'll get there, too. There's just so much. This book set up so many things mm. in such a subtle way. Like, it kind of info-dumped us. Yeah. But we didn't realize we were getting the info dump. Yeah, not until the end. Yeah. And it's amazing to go back and reread. That's actually why I started to like this book so much. Because mm-hmm. the first time I read it, I was not that pleased with it. Harry was too shouty. He was so moody. It was really frustrating. I'm just like, oh my God, Harry, shut up. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, everything else that happens throughout it. Like, it's just a rough book. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get through the first time. Yeah. Honestly. And it was just such a long book, too. Mm-hmm. What well, was the longest book at the time? Yeah. And... Now that I've gotten to the end and have gone back, and especially now that we're looking at it even closer, Mm -hmm. most of this stuff I'd picked up on before because I've done so many rereads. Yeah. But it's still like all these little tiny things that are just mentioned to set up things that you don't think anything about, especially not the first time. Yeah. And it's just such a shame that the movie bilks you out of nearly all of that. Pretty much. The movie was bare bones compared yeah, to the book. Seriously. And I understand that they can't fit everything in, but man, oh man, would it have been nice to get some of it. I get that. But you know what? There are moments where they could have put in very pertinent, very relevant information for us. And they just didn't. They were like, fuck you guys. Right. <laughs> and even just utilizing the characters that were included in the roles that they were included to do so that later on mm-hmm. they could actually fulfill that instead of leaving things open ended. But yeah, so Phineas Nigelis, the least popular headmaster Hogwarts ever had, who we will see later in mm-hmm. the book. Yes. He also mentions his mother's cousin, Araminta Malifua. That is a name. Yeah. Araminta Malifua. R-E-M. A-M. 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 Araminta Malifua, who tried to force a bill through the ministry to make muggle hunting legal. Yeesh. That's a little aggressive i feel a little that's a lot of aggressive (laughs) and then there was also his aunt eladora who's the one that started the family tradition of beheading house elves when they're too old to continue working which tells me she's also the one who had them mounted on walls undoubtedly what a tradition what a peach and i wonder if harry's still wondering why he ran away right How could you leave this place? It's Disneyland in here. Disneyland, if designed by Tim Burton. (laughs) Disneyland of horrors. Right. And apparently Sirius and his uncle Alfred weren't the only ones blasted off the map because his mother had a tendency to do that for anybody halfway decent. Mm -hmm. And he makes mention of the facts that Tonks isn't even on there. And Harry's just like, you're related to Tonks? (laughs) And it turns out that her mother, Andromeda, was his favorite cousin. Mm-hmm. And he points to her on the tree, except for the fact that her on the tree is just yet another blasted off spot. Black spot, yeah. But she's tied to two other women's names. One that says Bellatrix. One that says Narcissa. Mm-hmm. And then Narcissa's name is tied over to Lucius Malfoy. And then they both connect down to Draco Malfoy and Harry's just like you're related to the Malfoys (laughs) Harry we really got to talk about bloodlines to you man yeah we really need you to understand this that nearly all pureblood families are interrelated because when you marry only purebloods it kind of limits your options yeah I mean the gene pool gets pretty shallow at a certain point and Sirius tells Harry that he's related to both Molly and Arthur mm-hmm. in some point. I think Molly is like a distant cousin in Arthur through marriage or maybe vice versa. Yeah. But he's just like, don't even bother looking for them on the tapestry. If there was <laughs> ever a family of blood traders, it is the Weasleys. Facts. That's an entire branch that just got blasted away. Yeah. But Harry's too distracted by the name Bellatrix Black. The other name that was connected to where his favorite cousin was. Mm-hmm. Like Bellatrix, Bellatrix. Then he notices that it's connected to Rodolphus Lestrange. And he's just like, why does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. And Sirius is just like, Bellatrix and Rodolphus Lestrange are the ones that came in with Barty Crouch Jr. And Rodolphus's brother, Rapistan. And Harry's just like, oh. And has like a little flashback to Dumbledore's pensive when that group of people included 
Bellatrix Black, mm-hmm. Lestrange. The curly hair. With the curly, crazy hair, the heavy hooded eyes, mm-hmm. the absolute crazy outburst about how they alone were faithful. And yep. he's just like, I can't believe you're related to her. Yeah. <laughs> Look around this house, Harry. How are you still not getting it? Right? <laughs> and Sirius is just like, it doesn't matter if I'm related to her. As far as I'm concerned, she's not my family. Mm-hmm. I want nothing to do with her. Do you think I'm proud of having relatives like that? Right. And Harry's just like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have the Dursleys. I get it. I'm sorry. I was going to say, But yeah. Sirius is also just like, no, you don't have to apologize. Like, I'm being emotional because I don't like being back at this house. Mm-hmm. It's like, it makes a good headquarters since it's my parents made it unplottable yeah. and Dumbledore's added his own protection. So there's probably not a safer house anywhere, but it sucks being back here. Yeah. Although he does take some pleasure in imagining how his parents would react if they saw how he was using it now. <laughs> that is true. Teehee. They should paint the walls all in pastels. <laughs> Make it look so pretty in there. Right. <gasps> Turn it into a muggle orphanage. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I would feel really bad for those muggles. Well, once they cleaned it up, I don't mean right this second. But they're going to be stuck with the screaming portrait. Ah, true. How about a magical family orphanage, like for magical kids? Sure. Like mudbloods that came from muggle families that like disowned them or something. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Because that would piss them off too. Or squibs that get disowned. Yeah. There we go. A muggle toddler could outscream Mrs. Black. That is accurate. As the owner of a muggle toddler. Yes. (laughs) You know? Having preschoolers on my caseload, yep. <laughs> that is accurate. At a certain point, Mrs. Black is just like, shut them up. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're so loud. Screaming contest. Oh, man, I would not want to be anywhere near that house. No. That would be so loud that I don't even think the Fidelius charm could no. mask it. <laughs> the neighbor's like, do you hear that? What is happening? Something going on. I think the neighbors are fighting. Right? (laughs) But anyway, so Sirius is just like, I hate being back here. I mean, it's kind of satisfying to know how I'm using their house. But God, if I could just get out and be useful once in a while. Yeah. And then he tells Harry that he asked Dumbledore if he could escort Harry to his hearing as Snuffles, of course, Mm -hmm. for some moral support. And he had to know the answer was never going to be yes. But at the same time, he had to try. He had to try. I get it. But unfortunately, the Doxies had been enough of a distraction mm-hmm. that Harry hadn't been thinking about the hearing. And this kind of like brought it back to the forefront. So this like brick drops in his stomach. Yeah. And he looks over at Ron and Hermione who are eating sandwiches with everyone else and just wonders what it would be like if he finds out they get to go back to Hogwarts without him. If he does get expelled. Yeah. Especially now knowing what the other option would be, because it would be staying at Grimmauld Place with yeah. Sirius. That's not that much of a win. And the, But he doesn't even know for sure that's an option yet. True. Because for all he knows, he would just end up back with the Dursleys. And, Very true. And actually, in order to hope for that option, he's just like, if I do get expelled, could I live here with you? Mm-hmm. And Sirius is just like don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. You're not going to get expelled. But Harry was just like, no, please. (laughs) I'd feel a lot better going into this hearing if I knew I didn't have to go back to the Dursleys. Yeah. And Sirius is just like, man, they must be bad if you'd prefer this place to them. You haven't met him, guy. He has no idea. Mm -mm. But their conversation gets interrupted by Mrs. Weasley, who's just like, you guys need to come eat before it's all gone. Have you met my children? Right. (laughs) As they're licking their plates. Licking Come on. them. Come eat. <laughs> but then after lunch, they go to work on those cabinets. And it actually does help Harry keep his mind off of things because many of the objects that they are trying to remove from those cabinets are extremely reluctant to leave their <laughs> shelves. And it's just like fighting back. Right. So they're holding on for dear life. Yeah. It's taking a lot of concentration and it's a good distraction from the hearing. Mm hmm. Like, I mean, putting up a fight, though. Sirius gets bitten by a silver snuff box. Fun. And says that it seems to contain wart cap powder because his entire hand just crusts over like oh, a scabby glove. Gross. He's like, ew. And he tosses the box into the sack that they're throwing things out in. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, goes like wraps up his hand and goes back to work. And 
Harry notices out of the corner of his eye that George also wraps up his hand, but it's so he can reach in the sack and <laughs> pull out this little snuff box because that wart cap powder could be handy mm-hmm. for the Weasley's Wizarding Wheezes. So he tucks uh, that in his pocket, too, with a fainted doxy. I'm sure it's still down there. They're such evil geniuses. So much so. <laughs> like, they're not evil, evil geniuses. So there are also a lot of other things in those cabinets that try and attack them. And some of the most noteworthy ones are a music box that when opened, it starts to emit this like slightly sinister tinkling tune. And everybody starts to feel really weak and sleepy <laughs> until Jenny thankfully has the wherewithal to slam the box shut and then stop the music. And then they're like, oh, that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> so they throw that in the trash, too. Mm-hmm. Fred and George do not sneak that one out. I mean, do they throw it in the trash or do they destroy it? I feel like it's not a good idea to throw some of these things away because if somebody else found them, they could be like really dangerous. Oh, yeah, for sure. At this point, they're just tossing it into a sack. What they do with that sack, they never mention. True. I'm sure that they are planning on destroying things. What they can. Yeah. Because, I mean, if there are things that won't even let go of the shelves they're on, I'm sure they're not going to be destroyed very easily. But, yeah. Yeah. But they also find... A heavy locket that no one can open. And they pass it around Mm. and each person tries and fails to open it. I wonder. So they just toss that in the sack too. I'm sure it's not important then. Probably not. No, no, no. I just throw it out. Sure. Oh my God. I can't even tell you how hard that hit me when we got (laughs) back to that, which we'll talk more about it when we get there because we have a ways to go. But ha! Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. Oh. There are so many reasons to be pissed that this wasn't in the movie. I know. I know. So many reasons. Front-loaded information. Right? In such a subtle way, but it set up so much that it was able to just happen with no explanation in the movies. It was just knowledge they had for some reason. And that's so frustrating to me. Yes, I agree. And then they also throw out some ancient seals. There's an Order of Merlin first class, which Sirius is just like... Yeah, it's because he donated a lot of gold. He didn't do anything worthwhile. He donated a lot of gold. I mean, Order of Merlin's Order of Merlin, you know. Money talks. Money talks. So not only are the objects on the cabinet fighting back, Mm -hmm. but they also have to contend with Creature, who keeps sneaking back into the room and trying to sneak things out of the sack. (laughs) You can't throw this away. You can't throw this away. And he and Sirius end up wrestling over a large golden ring. (laughs) Yeah. That Sirius being bigger and stronger ends up ripping out of his grip. And then the elf just starts crying and insulting him as he runs out of the room. That sounds like when I was a kid and my mom used to make me clean my room and she'd like grab stuff from me and I'd be like, no, I'm going to use that. I need that. Don't throw that away, mom. Actually, that's what it's like trying to spring clean around my husband. And me, because let's face it, your husband and I are the same person. Basically, yes. I surrounded myself with this insanity. Mm-hmm. Hey. I love you both. You chose both of us. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's on you. But basically, this whole montage, I would have accepted a short montage for this scene. Sure. You know, not the entire middle of the movie, but this scene could have been montaged with them just waging war on the house trying mm-hmm. to decontaminate it because this is just what goes on for the next few days. Yeah. It's just working on this now, working on this now, working on this now. Actually, that's how long it took them to decontaminate the drawing room. They spent several days in there. And by the time they got to everything being somewhat livable, livable, I guess, the only things that were left were the tapestry because permanent sticking charm. There's Mm -hmm. nothing they can do about that. Although you would think if you can burn parts of it away, maybe you could burn the whole thing away. Theoretically. But they didn't try that. Or maybe there was a certain spell that mrs black had to use yeah maybe who knows regardless that was still stuck there and then the rattling writing desk that they were pretty sure was caused by the boggarts but moody still hadn't shown back up to check for them so they just we're gonna leave this for now Mm -hmm. we'll be fine yeah after they finish the drawing room they move on to the dining room when they opened a dresser (laughs) they came across some giant ass fuck nopes A.K.A. spiders the size of saucers. Yeah, hell no. That prompted Ron to just like, I'm gonna go make tea. <laughs> Be back later. And by later, he meant an hour and a half when he knew damn for sure that those spiders were gone. 
Once again, I am Ron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no fuck nopes for me. Thank you. I just remember it was like my second year teaching or something. And it was at the end of the school year. And my sixth graders were helping me clean up the classroom. Mm-hmm. And one of the kids picked up a plastic bag that would have just like blown off the table. Just I just I didn't have cabinets or anything. I was actually in an unfinished room at the school. Mm-hmm. So I just had things piled in boxes everywhere. And we we're trying to straighten everything up. And he picks up a plastic bag and just screams bloody murder literally runs across the room and jumps up on a table oh god i was just like what just happened <laughs> and he was like spider it's a really big spider <laughs> and you know how when people see a spider that's really big and they retell the story it's like every time that spider every gets a little bit bigger, bigger and bigger, bigger until bigger, yeah. it's like roughly the size of a dog sure. i expected a slightly larger than average size spider mm-hmm this was literally this silver dollar sized monstrosity uh, that nope. I, it was just a wolf spider that had gotten inside during the winter. So it just kept getting bigger and bigger. No, nope. but he had like dropped the bag back on the spider. So I walked over there myself, like you're just being dramatic. And I picked it up and I was just like, that is a big fucking spider. And I was at <laughs> school and I was just like, that's a big fucking spider. And I was just like, <laughs> and I just put the bag back down because there was nothing about me. I ended up trapping it in a glass, I think, and letting it outside because there was just nothing about me that wanted to hear that thing crunch. Yeah. And I don't like killing insects anyway, especially not spiders that kill other insects for you. But that doesn't mean I want to live with them either. Yeah. I didn't name him Picasso and refer to him as our class pet after that. Sure. I mean, that makes sense. I would just put the bag back down and then jump on the bag. <laughs> no, because that crack, the crack sound of it being smushed was going to sound terrible. But the bag would have made it, mm-hmm. would have made a crinkly noise that mm-hmm. would have drowned it out. No, 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 no. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I know what you're saying, though. There, yeah, are, There's yeah. like a certain size of insect where I'm like, mm, no. I mean, yeah. Nope. nope. I, I can't feel you under my hand. No. Nope. And I am, I am not wrong in the sense that I would have to leave the room. But I would catch them in a glass and let them outside is what I would do. I would not. But if they were saucer sized, mm-hmm. which is even larger than silver dollar sized, then I don't know. Just freeze them. I like um, docks aside that is there. I don't know. Is there what do you do with that? I don't even want to know. I'll tell you what I would do. Run for my fucking life. There would just it's be fair. like a Katie shaped cloud left over from how <laughs> fast I leave the room. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, man, Katie, what are we going to do? But where the fuck she go? <laughs> <laughs> she was just right here. I just saw her. Where is she? Meanwhile, I'm hanging out with Buckbeak upstairs. Just like, dude, you didn't see this fucking spider, man. You didn't fucking see it. And Buckbeak's just like, ooh, a snack. Yeah, right. <laughs> but anyway, so Ron disappears to make the tea. And Sirius is just throwing everything in the sack. Everything from the china to framed portraits. If it was not stuck down, he just threw that shit out. So really no sentimental memories going on for him. (laughs) Not even a little bit. Mm -mm. So Harry remembers how Snape referred to their work as cleaning Mm -hmm. the reference that Sirius made. But he's just like, no, we're waging war on the house. (laughs) Which is putting up a good fight. Oh, yeah. Partially aided and abetted by Creature, who is taking things out of the trash whenever he can. He just like keeps Mm -hmm. popping up. And his muttering is just getting more and more offensive. (laughs) And I just this so bad i know i want an offensive creature and like i was saying before i really wonder if they could have gotten along better if sirius could have just mustered being nicer to him maybe all the history would have worked against him but maybe not yeah i think i do want this to be our pondering this episode i like it you just keep stealing things and at one point sirius even threatens him with clothes Mm -hmm. and this is your evidence right here that there is nothing wrong with Creature's mind. Yeah. He mutters as he walks away that Master will not turn him away since Creature knows that they are plotting against the Dark Lord. Yeah. He is 100% there. Oh, he's all there. He may be a muttering, bumbling fucking psycho, but he's a muttering, bumbling psycho that knows what the fuck he's got in his yeah. corner. Uh, yeah. For sure. But Hermione still doesn't think that's reason to mistreat him. Mm-hmm. So she is not at all happy when Sirius grabs Creature by the back of his loincloth and just literally throws him from the room. Yeah. Which, I mean, that would just be amazing fodder for the sitcom. I know, right? Come on. Oh. Especially since during this whole montage of stuff. Yeah. 
there's also more people ringing the fucking doorbell. Of course. <laughs> Every time it sets off, crazy Gary Oldman's mom. <laughs> and it just gives Harry and the others opportunity to try and eavesdrop. And what's going on? Like, what's going on? Of we course. They knew what's going on. New people. What are they saying? Right. And then throughout all of this montage, they'll occasionally see Snape. Mm. Though he never really hangs around long. He just kind of like delivers his news and gets the fuck out. Pretty sure. To their relief. Yeah. Everybody's happy about that. They once get to see Professor McGonagall and are just like, Professor McGonagall, is that you? Because she's wearing a muggle <laughs> dress. Like in Mean Girls. I love seeing teachers outside of school. It's like seeing a dog walking on its hind legs. Right. <laughs> in this case, it would be a cat. Right. Literally. <laughs> Some of the visitors actually stay and help with the house when they're not busy, specifically Tonks and Lupin. Mm-hmm. There was one day that Tonks stayed to help them and they ended up finding a murderous old ghoul in the upstairs toilets. Oh, yeah. That's a good day right yeah. there. <laughs> and then Lupin, who actually is staying at the house with mm-hmm. Sirius, but isn't there very often because he has a lot of mysterious missions for the Order. Yeah. Because he's not a wanted escaped convict. No. Yeah. There's even one day that Mundungus stays to mm. help and actually redeems himself with Mrs. Weasley for a little bit because he manages to save Ron from some murderous purple robes that tried to strangle him when he removed them from the wardrobe. Which was our trivia question. Right? Mm-hmm. So all of this is going on and it's exhausting Harry, but he's still sleeping poorly. Yeah. Because he keeps constantly dreaming about corridors and locked doors. The movie kind of makes reference to this but just later on and it's not the same at all yeah it's really not it is a pale comparison it is a yeah. a, a shadow of a reference it's mm-hmm. just not the same dream even it just shows you that he's having creepy dreams yeah doesn't really work in at all yeah but despite all of that he is still actually managing to have fun Mm-hmm. It's nice for him to be away from the Dursleys. It's nice for him to be with people who care about him. He's being kept very busy. Yeah. Which helps a shit ton. So the ministry hearing is only really getting to him when nothing else is going on. So predominantly at night mm-hmm. when he's laying in bed trying to fall asleep. It's just like the hearing, the hearing, the hearing. <laughs> turn brain off. Turn brain off. Don't think about hearing. Put the hearing. hearing. <laughs> totally make one of those cartoons about it with the brain and the heart and yeah exactly assholes (laughs) but the idea of being expelled is so horrible like he doesn't even want to think about it so he absolutely can't even bring it up with ron and hermione Mm -hmm. and he occasionally like sees them whispering about it but they're following his lead and not bringing it up either which is probably smart for them yeah and he also just finds himself imagining his wand getting snapped and him being ordered back to the Dursleys and then she's just gonna suck. That's so sad. So stressful. That's such a sad thought to have. Especially for Harry. Like, this is definitely where you're kind of going, okay, maybe it is better to be in a murder house than at the Dursleys because Harry's had both experiences and he by far prefers murder house. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that everybody picked murder house over the dursleys yeah i think maybe one person commented on facebook that they wanted to go to the dursleys to mess with them okay which is fair that's fair sure you don't want to have them in charge of you right definitely not definitely not but anyway time passes cleaning montage ends and it is the night before the hearing Mm -hmm. and now there's just no avoiding it yeah because mrs weasley's like i want you to know i ironed your best clothes for you and laid them out and i need you to wash your hair tonight so you can make a good impression tomorrow because a good impression (laughs) is everything and harry's just like "Uh uh-huh i mean they all already know me but sure and doing what he does best which is ask questions and meddle i mean this at least pertains to him directly yeah Trying to keep everything else out of his mind about what's coming. He focuses on the facts and says, how am I going to get there? Mm-hmm. Learns that Mr. Weasley's going to take him into work with him. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Weasley smiles. He's like, yeah, you're just going to wait in my office until it's time for the hearing. And poor Harry got his hopes up with the idea of Snuffles being able to go with him. And he looks over at his dog father, who just shakes his head. And Mrs. Weasley's like, Dumbledore didn't think it would be a good idea for Sirius to go with you. And I quite agree. And Sirius is just like, you quite agree. I bet you agree. God damn. What the fuck? And then Harry's just like, when did Dumbledore tell you that? 
And Mr. Weasley tells him that he was there the night before while Harry was sleeping. Hmm. And Harry's just like, what the fuck? Dumbledore was here and didn't even ask to see me? It's the night before my hearing. Yeah. Like, how is he still leaving me in the dark like this? Yeah. How have I not seen him since leaving school? Yeah. And all of this shit has gone down and I still haven't been able to say a word to the man. Yeah. And it does absolutely nothing for his morale. No, I'm sure it doesn't. It's very disheartening. Mm-hmm. And this is where the book chapter ends. Obviously, there were no movie scenes and therefore no actors to talk about. So we'll go right into the Potter pondering, which is, do you think that the relationship between Creature and Sirius could have been better if Sirius was kinder to him? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. You can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Marissa. She writes, Hi! My name is Marissa, and I'm a Ravenclaw. I think the color should be blue and bronze with an eagle. My wand is cherry blossom wood, 10 inches long, and unicorn hair core. My Patronus is a dolphin, and I love your podcast. I started Harry Potter by hearing the words Harry Potter at a summer camp when I was nine. When I got home from the summer camp, I asked my mom what Harry Potter was, and she read me the first book chapter by chapter before I went to bed. Now I have a bookcase full of my Harry Potter collection. Yay! Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Marissa. Yes, thank you. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media, and as always... Posted on our Sorting Hat Saturday post. Mm-hmm. This week's trivia question is, what is the name of the security wizard that inspects Harry's wand at the ministry? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag ministry guard will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 7, the Ministry of Magic, and the somewhat corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling.